The purpose of this podcast is to create a library of stories about the unique struggles, journeys, and experiences of mothers. I hope these stories instill more compassion and empathy while uniting women in motherhood. Flo Belinsky lives in Escondido, California with her husband, Andrew, and daughter, Eva. Her passions are writing, music, and dancing. She is the founder of Mama Get Real and also recently published a book about her personal experience with postpartum depression, anxiety, and addiction called Postpartum, A Story of Unraveling and Becoming. In this episode, we talk about the raw truths of postpartum depression, anxiety, and addiction and how isolated women can feel as first-time moms. Flo is open, vulnerable, and honest, and discusses how she used mindful meditation along with other tools to better understand the wide range of complex emotions after having a baby. Hey, Flo. Hello. This time. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing great. I had a really relaxing day. I'm feeling good. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be on here with me. I'm super excited uh, to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I'm really honored and excited to speak with you as well. Um, so I read your book called Postpartum, A Story of Unraveling and Becoming. Mm-hmm. And it was it was beautifully written, um, sort of like a diary style with some uh, poems scattered in there. And it was vulnerable and raw and open and completely relatable. And I highly recommend all moms, definitely first time moms read this. And I'm actually going to be a third time mom and I still can relate to it. So mm. it, it was amazing. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book. Thank you so much. That means a lot to hear that. Um, so why don't you start kind of by telling us a little bit about, we can start off with your story and becoming a mom and how it's transformed you. And I'm sure it's, you know, be- becoming a mom transforms every, every woman. Absolutely. um yeah well my story is that I never wanted to be a mom (laughs) so (laughs) when I ended up being one uh naturally there was a lot of internal resistance that came up um even though you know I I mean, I had a choice once I found out that I was pregnant, if I wanted to go through with it or not, and it felt like the right thing to do, and my boyfriend and I at the time decided to get married and start a family and do the whole thing. That's a lot of changes at once. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as much as it was wonderful to have that much more love and connection and support. And I definitely felt very close and connected to my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of grief and rage and 
oh, the whole whole range of emotions that was really hard for me to reckon with. <clears throat> yeah, and in your in your book, you talk a lot about this, and um, I noticed though that you didn't really recognize it as much until after she was already born. Oh yeah, totally. And like working through it postpartum, which I'm sure, even as a mom who I. I, my story is different in, in the sense that I deeply wanted children. Um, but I felt the same thing afterwards where it's just, it's like this, I mean, I didn't have, I guess, the rage as much, but more just this, wow, I'm not this, I'm not ever going to be the same person. I'm yeah. going to be, I'm a totally different person now. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel that until, until after the baby's already here. No, no. Pregnancy is this interesting, magical limbo time. <laughs> when it's your first child, you don't know what to expect. And honestly, no one, not that many people talk about what comes after you give birth. It's so true. It's so true. And everyone kind of just expects you to be excited and elated because you have this new, new life that you've created. And so it's like, and something else that really stuck out that you said in your book was how, when your friends would come to visit you, it's like, everybody is like cooing and ooing and awing over the baby, but nobody's asking how the mom is or, or recognizing the fact that now she, her, the old version of her has basically died and she's now rebirthed into this new person. And yeah. it's, and there's no recognition of that, really. I mean, we just kind of, we're just all obsessed with the baby. <laughs> yeah, it really got to me. It it felt like dehumanizing, actually. I, I could see in that, a way. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talk a lot about how a lot of your friends didn't have children, too, at the time. Is that still, is that still the case? Yeah, um, I have a few mom friends, but it's just a very small handful, and mm-hmm. most of the people I was close with before still don't have children, um, so there was a big rift that happened and a lot of reorganizing in my, my social circles and social support system. Um, there was a, a big period where it felt like I didn't really have anyone to connect with except for my husband and my immediate family and my therapist yeah Um, and I'm I'm so lucky and grateful that I had all of them and also there's a certain kind of nourishment that comes from good friendships that it's it's different and it's so important and not having that kind of just you know not having that while going through this total life and identity transformation mm-hmm. was really challenging well for sure and I mean it's one thing to have your your husband there as support but he's also going through a transformational yeah. period himself and he's a and and he's a man and going through something completely different and so to have somebody a mom friend or, or somebody that's going through that with you or has already gone through that is just so crucial and key to kind of keep yourself together in those times. Because like you said, unraveling, I mean, postpartum is just, it is really unraveling sometimes. Oftentimes. Absolutely. Yeah. 
There's a lot of letting go of, um, you know, who who we used to be, how we used to live, like the the limitless possibilities that are present when you don't have children. Yep. You don't think about how 24-7 a child really is. (laughs) Yeah. I really did not think about it at all. I didn't either. I'm pretty sure most I'm pretty sure most women don't think about it really fully. I mean, you can't it's, you know, it's when you don't when you've never experienced it, it's kind of hard to understand. So until you really go through with it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I decided to go through with publishing this book. Um, is to share it with women that are considering having children and just letting them know one way that it could be. Not everyone has a really hard time like I did, but everyone goes through this deep transformation in their own way. Totally. I, I really related with that. And I keep going back to this, but this you 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 write about it so eloquently but you write about like this death of of I use the word death which just sounds so morbid but it is really a death of who you were Mm -hmm. before you became a mom and then Mm -hmm. you know you're trying to find who you were before but you're never really going to be that person again and so you have to find a way to like find yourself again and I mean that's like basically your whole book which it's like I said I it's amazing Mm. um another thing I really like is you touch a lot on um, shame you actually have a whole chapter about healing shame can you can you kind of elaborate more on that oh shame (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah. how do like how you worked through it <clears throat> because I know that's something all moms can relate to as well definitely starting to really get honest with other people about what I was going through that burst through a big layer of shame um just for people listening who haven't read the book I experienced pretty intense postpartum depression, anxiety, and addiction. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, just depression, anxiety, and addiction on their own, there's a lot of shame that can come with that, Um, especially in the way that our society is so um, biased towards positivity. Yes. Um, and then, you know, even more so in, in motherhood, from our culture's perspective, you're supposed to be elated. You're supposed to be so stoked that you get to be a mom to this child. And um, when we feel those harder, deeper, challenging feelings, there's a tendency to want to hide that. And not want to share it with other or let other people know about it because we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be 
labeled as a bad mom or ungrateful or all of these things. It's just like not totally okay to have those feelings. And so then in that, a lot of shame develops of, of hiding, like those parts of myself are not okay. Right. And you talk about shame in your birth too, which I think is. Um... Yeah, that's something that I honestly, I'm still unwinding that. I had a unfortunate circumstance where I was planning to birth at a birthing center with midwives. And when I went into labor, my blood pe- pressure spiked. And so I had, they wouldn't see me at the birth center anymore. I had to transfer to the hospital and they just, they treated me basically as like a walk-in and it was just very mishandled the whole thing and ended up with, you know, having to have an epidural and be induced. And those are things that I didn't want. And the whole experience was very disempowering. Yeah, and disconnected, and you almost feel like it was impersonal. Yeah, and just, you know, all the ways that I was hard on my own self, like, oh, if only I was more evolved or embodied or, you know, if I was better at handling pain, like, just really putting it on myself, like, I did all of these things wrong. If only I was better, then things would have gone better. Um, So that's where like the shame comes in. And then there's rage in that too, that um, the, I felt like the hospital staff didn't handle my situation in a gentle and graceful way that would have made the whole thing easier. So it was kind of compounded, but yeah, there was a lot of trauma actually that I experienced from that and trauma takes a while to heal. So I'm still undoing layers and layers but um I'm getting I'm getting better I'm getting to be okay with it and just really accept what happened and try my best to heal what's stored in my body from that yeah I mean it's super intense and something else that you touched on in your book is how you um how you have to really feel those emotions in order to heal And sometimes, like you said, you you kind of just, you, um, you hide them, you hide them. Sometimes they come out in anxiety attacks or um, other ways for other women, I'm sure. And you don't even really realize why that's happening until you finally allow yourself to feel the rage, to feel that trauma, to, to be like, yeah, that was not okay. And I'm upset and I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I feel like something was stolen from me, you know? Um, I mean, I even feel that way too. Sometimes (laughs) my husband's really good at recognizing it when I'm like, I'm feeling like anxious. He's like, well then that's okay. Feel anxious. Like, like be like, feel it and then let it go. And it is so much easier to let it go once you're able to really fully feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Through my journey, I discovered that the the depression the anxiety and the addiction all were symptoms of this the suppressing of these harder feelings 
um, yeah, it's that's it's very intense. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never, I just, you know, until I went to a psychologist, I didn't really understand that the anxiety actually is literally the suppressed emotions. And when I was able to unpack them, I didn't have panic attacks anymore. And I didn't feel extreme anxiety anymore. And then learning things like mindfulness meditation, that was really the number one thing. I tried anti-anxiety medication for like two weeks and that was not the answer for me. And so then I had to do the work of really unpacking this complex bundle of emotions that that came after I gave birth and became a mom. Yeah, and it, it really is an unpacking and, and and the word do work is important too because it's something I'm sure you have to practice daily. It's not something that just all of a sudden you have this aha moment and then it's all better yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's true. Totally. So what kind of mindful meditation are you practicing? Because I've heard a lot of different types of meditation. Yeah. I mean, I think any kind of meditation helps. Um, I, my psychiatrist that I was seeing for that period of time actually teaches a mindfulness meditation class for people with anxiety. Um, So it was a really comprehensive, just perfect course for me um it's based on on buddhist meditation practices there's like concentration meditation where you focus on your breath or a mantra um and then um bringing in like becoming aware of the sensations of your body or um your senses and then also compassion meditations those were really those are really important for me so for compassion is that compassion with yourself it starts there yeah it starts there and then and then like you branch off to basically is it like finally letting go of the rage with the hospital and having compassion towards them that kind of meditation or um yeah it could it could go there I could go there but mo- mostly where I'm at is compassion for myself. Are you still going to these classes? No, it was an eight-week course. So oh, that's I cool. just do practices on my own now or like a do recording you, sometimes I'll do. Do you do this every day? No. <laughs> <laughs> is it more of like, okay, I'm feeling like a little bit out of body and so I need to get back to myself and so – yeah, that's like the bare minimum. There okay. there were time there have been times where I do it every day as a practice. Right now I'm kind of out of my daily practice routine. Um, but I try to meditate at least a little bit every day, if not a big chunk. Yeah. And what's like a big chunk? Like how long would you say? Twenty minutes for me. Yeah, that's good. a that's a great amount of meditation. That takes mm-hmm. a that takes a lot of work and patience I feel like yeah I had to build up to that (laughs) I try to do like a five minute daily meditation and even then sometimes I'm like looking I'm like okay this is exactly what you're not supposed to be doing like (laughs) to see what time is it and how much longer do I have to do this like not what you're supposed to be doing in those times of meditating well you know that kind of but also it's just like 
learning how to be with those thoughts anyways. Interesting. And so, you know, the mind's going to do what it does. But how, you know, how long we let it do it, that's one part of it. Like how quickly can you come back to your anchor, your mantra, or your breath, or whatever it is. Um, And then also it's really building a tolerance for the mind and for sensations and being able to just sit with whatever's happening and keep sitting with it. I really like that. I actually was watching a video about meditation and um, this person was talking about how a lot of times people think meditating is where you don't think of anything and you're supposed to just blank your mind, which almost creates more anxiety for me Uh (laughs) than than actually letting yourself, like you just said, have those thoughts and sit with them. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it's been very powerful for me personally. And, and that's where the compassion comes in too. You know, it's like we're, our minds are, are made to have thoughts and they're going to keep having thoughts and then then so how do we exist with that and that's what's really helped me to lower my anxiety level in life just overall is noticing the quality of my thoughts like oh I'm having thoughts of this like okay (laughs) Or, oh, oh, I'm like, there's some more scheduling thoughts. I'm trying to schedule all this stuff again. Okay. Hi, scheduling. Like, (laughs) like, can I come back to my breath now? Great. Right. It's that awareness. Mm -hmm. And being kind to ourselves. Right. Being kind. Compassion. That's right. Mm -hmm. So now you have a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old. One-and-a-half, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And is it Ava or Eva? Eva, yeah. Eva. What were you going to say? Sorry. She's very spunky. (laughs) Do you you see a lot of yourself in her? Oh, totally. She is so independent and, like, quite stubborn, but also so she's just such a happy kid. She sings, she dances, she talks all of her little language. She's like (laughs) so friendly. She hugs all the kids around her. It's just. Oh, that innocence. So sweet. And it's so amazing to me, really, that despite all that I was going through in her infancy, Still, she's been so resilient to be just so, so well adjusted. <laughs> yeah. What a beautiful soul. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, so she likes to dance like you because you like to dance too, right? Oh, yeah. I love dancing. Are you um, dancing more now? I am. Yeah, I'm doing, you know, now that it's, now that she's a toddler and she's starting to be more independent in her own self, I'm finding my own independence again Mm -hmm. and starting to do a lot of the things that I used to love and just, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm reintegrating 
myself back into it's almost like you're like falling in love again with the things that you used to that you used to love to do yeah and like feeling like my old self in a way I mean not exactly the same but actually I, I like this self that I am a lot more than the self that I was Well, I mean, I'm sure look at the journey you went through. You're just a better, stronger person. Yeah, totally. And way more grounded and responsible and compassionate and kind and patient. Just and all of that came from becoming a mother. Well, from her. Yeah. Which actually brings me to. So are they would you call them poems in your book? Yeah, there's poems in there. Yeah. So the poem, A Mother's Becoming. Mm. Loved that one. Oh, good. I have it tagged. Um, and I loved it because for me, when I became a mom, I thought instantly when I held my baby that I was going to feel like a mom and that I was going to just have this instant bond with her. And everyone's like, you know, follow your mother's instincts and all these things. But I felt so awkward and out of place. And like, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it right. Mm. Um, And, and you talk about how you don't, you aren't a mother right away. It's something that you're, that you are, you write mothers are birthed slowly, which I think is so true. It's like, it takes time to kind of find yourself as a mom. Totally. And I loved that. Like fine wine or aged cheese. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. As you're saying that, I just remember like the first time. Well, when they first put her on my chest after I gave birth, I felt like instantly I just sunk into this deep protective state where I was like, oh, yeah, like I got you, babe. Right. But then, but then it was like, okay, wait, how do I hold this thing? Yeah. Like, what do I do with this? <laughs> how do I breastfeed? Like, oh um, yeah, breastfeeding. So yeah, totally. It it takes it takes time to really grow into that. And but how I'm was glad... your journey with breastfeeding? Um, it was actually pretty easy for me. That's good. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, I, I produced a lot of milk, and um, she latched on right away, and once once the lactation consultant came in at the hospital and, like, showed me the right positions, then I, I got my groove with it, but I, I can't say that I totally loved it. Um, there were times that I did really enjoy it, 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 there were times where it felt really wonderful and also it felt very mm, like confining yeah like I couldn't go anywhere without my breast pump if I forgot it I was screwed like I had to just constantly be on tap for this child at all hours and eventually I got kind of tired of it and and it just sort of naturally tapered out until I was only feeding her in the morning and at night from my breast and then only at night and then it quickly just dried up. So yeah, I stopped at around eight months. So a great amount of time of breastfeeding. 
Yeah, I I mean, I felt like it. And then sometimes I have, you know, guilt comes sh- up or feeling shame. Like that wasn't enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, those feelings are constant as a mom because of the, like you said, the pressures of society too. Especially around here in California, I feel like breastfeeding is, is um, there's a lot of pressure to breastfeed. For there a long is. Of time. Yeah, and I feel judgment from other moms actually sometimes. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. I struggled with breastfeeding hardcore with both my girls. So yeah. I can I can relate to the judgment feeling. You almost yeah. feel like you have to defend yourself and you're like, I shouldn't have to defend myself. I'm still I'm a great mom. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But it is true. I mean, you're, you give up your body for nine months and then you think that you're just going to be able, you're going to get your body back after the baby comes, but it's like, no, now you have to breastfeed, which is basically giving your body up for the, <laughs> for the next, however long you're going to be breastfeeding for too. Yep. Totally. <laughs> and then even if you're not breastfeeding, you know, you're, oh, for sure. You're tired. You're the arms. Yes. You're 100%. the arms of the world. <laughs> for sure. So um, I kind of wanted to touch a little bit also on your addiction, if that's okay. Sure. If you could just kind of tell us your experience with that and how you came out of it. Well, I've had issues with addiction for my whole adult life. Um, never so severe that it like I needed to be hospitalized or anything or like I never did a detox or anything like that um but starting around age 16 like as soon as I started drinking I was really drinking a lot Mm -hmm. and that that continued through college and as soon as I started smoking pot I just smoked every day pretty much so when I got into my mid twenties, I didn't really drink that much anymore, but I still smoked pot pretty much every day for like 10, 11 years, 12, wait, let's see, 18 to no more than that. 18 to 31, 30, 12 years. Yeah. So that's a long time. Um, (laughs) And then when I got pregnant, I pretty much stopped, but I still used a little bit of marijuana during my pregnancy, which I have a lot of um, mixed feelings around. I felt like it was okay for me, but I know a lot of other people don't think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I kept that hidden for a long time, but I did put it in my book. I Originally, I left it out. I actually left out all of the pot smoking part because I was afraid of what people would say which or is, that I would get in trouble or something. Which is really incredible to me because I'm, I'm actually, I have a lot more of a lenient view on pot uh-huh. and I think that it's, it's funny how we're okay with moms having a glass of wine or having a beer while they're pregnant. But then if they, like, take a hit off of pot, then it's like, oh, that's just, like, horrible. And I just, I mean, so I think it's very brave of you and um, another open and raw and vulnerable 
piece to be putting into the book. And I appreciate you doing that. Mm, thanks. Yeah. And, sorry. So you can go ahead and continue. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But so then after I gave birth, um, I started drinking because my baby was having crazy meltdowns every single night at 4.30 p.m. for an hour or two hours, usually closer to an hour. And um, come to find out, that's actually very normal. It's called the witching hour. And it's just not all babies do it, but some of them do. And it and from what I've learned, it's like how they reorganize their nervous system so that they can relax. It's like so much stimulation just being alive that mm-hmm. they just have to have a meltdown and let it all out <laughs> and then they're okay. I mean, I have that as an adult, so. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so that was happening every day for three months. And I started drinking a beer at 4.30 while she was doing that. And from everything um, that I had heard, drinking beer was okay while you're breastfeeding, as long as it wasn't very much. And actually, some a lot of people say it's good for your milk production. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel wrong about doing it at all. Um, but unfortunately, it led to more and more and more drinking for me as a way to cope with the stress and the anxiety and and to to try to soothe my own nervous system right and then it got to a point where i just didn't feel like i could relax without it and that is alcoholism yeah <laughs> And then so, you said it even it even got to a point too where you said it wasn't even really helping anymore too. Yeah, that's right. Towards the end, I was still having panic attacks and feeling all kinds of crazy feelings, and so I knew that I had to stop trying to self medicate and actually face face my feelings. And so that's what happened. I mean, that's a pretty big awareness for you to be able to recognize that I'm sure there's people that don't have that kind of awareness too yeah I've done a lot of personal transformational work over the years leading up to this so even though I was in a really hard place and like having all of these unmanageable feelings and depression and anxiety and panic attacks there's still like a an anchor of my awareness of like, okay, this isn't the way, <laughs> like, let me try this other way and <laughs> try to figure out how to actually unpack all of this stuff. So, yeah. So didn't you help other people? It, it's, um, you use the word transformational facilitator. So yeah. Was, so you want to uh, elaborate a little bit more on what that is and Sure. Uh, I've done so so many trainings over the years from health coaching to trauma resolution to uh, I'm a Reiki master and I have facilitated um, transformational movement, like working with your energy through dance and 
all kinds of stuff. So over the years, I just would combine my different skills and interests into offerings for the community or for um, different groups of people to either, you know, get more in touch with their own bodies and their the sensation of their bodies and uh, find healing and transformation through that or um, authenticity and um, connecting more deeply with each other and the group or um, I, I also worked for a while as a tantric healer so working with the energy system and then also Reiki comes into that realm a little bit too working with people's energy helping them to heal in that way so yeah right. and I, I never really had, like, one title. I just would kind of create businesses out of what was most interesting to me. That's really cool. And, and it's also really interesting that you have all this experience with that and you still struggled with it as, as, your, as an individual as yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you, have you been able to get back into some of that now? Uh, as a facilitator? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. My husband and I, ha- we do an event called Shamanic Sound Portal. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a ritual expression process that helps people to open up their their voice and their dance and their expression all together in a, in a sacred way. And we facilitate that together. That's really cool. And so is this like a, is it like a workshop you do so many times a year? Yeah, we do it every other month in Encinitas at at the Soul of Yoga. Oh, very cool. And then I, I know that I will be facilitating more soon. I have a deep desire to create spaces for moms mm-hmm. to connect more with themselves with each other in really authentic ways and also to really dive in and, and reconnect with their own creative energy oh I like that I mean yeah. you, you've already started doing that with your writing so um it's amazing. And then you've also been writing for blogs too, I've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a contributor for Red Tricycle right now, which is a parent, parent blog. Yeah, I love Red Tricycle. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Good to know. I just found out about it. And so now I'm writing for them. And did you just re- you wrote a recent article for them, right? About, about addiction. Was it about addiction? Yeah, I've done three for them so far. One was the truth about sober parenting. That's the one I read. Nice. <laughs> That's the most popular one so far. <laughs> um, and another one about things that I've learned from my daughter. Oh. And another one about how to deal with mom stress naturally. I actually read that one as well. I saw nice. that one too. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important topic for me that, I mean, that's been my journey and 
you know, once I became sober, I had to learn how to do that by myself without pot or without um, any kind of alcohol. And those were my go-tos. And those are the go-tos for a lot of people to unwind and relax. And um, it's a really important skill set to learn how to do that without any outside substances and something that we're not taught. Definitely. Would you say that knowing those skills have helped you be not just like a better, like more patient and a better parent with, with your daughter too? Definitely. It has definitely made me a better parent. Because sometimes when you're, when you're self-medicating like that, it's almost like you're not fully there with your kids. So I'm sure these natural ways kind of help you be fully present. Yeah. And also, you know, I'm regularly deeply taking care of myself and also taking time for myself. And so when I am with my daughter, yeah, I'm more present with her and I'm available and I'm like well-resourced and I've processed my own emotions. So I'm not projecting anything on her or I'm not checking out from the experience because I don't have enough time to, you know, figure out my own stuff. I, I make time for that so that I can be with her fully. Yeah. That's so important. And what are, what are the things that you like to do as a mom or by yourself? Like when you're for for yourself. Well, Today, I went to Glen Ivy Hot Springs Resort. <laughs> You're like the second or third mom that's told me about this place. I have to, I have to go here. You go. <laughs> it, it's so luxurious and wonderful. Um, but the, I don't do that all the time. Obviously, well, maybe not obviously, <laughs> but um, I, I like to do something like that, like every every other month or so just like really like pamper yeah but more than a massage like soak in hot waters or go in the steam room stuff like that that's how I, that's my like ultimate relaxation but yeah, you talk um, about that in the book too because you went to a hot springs up in the oh yeah a little outside of the yeah. bay area yeah that one's amazing that one's like in a whole other league but for where Southern is California, that um Wilbur Hot Springs is I don't know exactly it's like two hour two or three hours north of the bay northeast I think okay because I'm actually from the bay area I was born yeah I was born and raised up there in Santa Clara I don't know if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. yeah um so I was actually when you when I read that I was like I wonder where that is (laughs) I've never I've never (laughs) even heard of it (laughs) yeah it's a smaller one it's really deep. It's off the grid. Like there's no cell service and oh, man, it's all solar it. and well water. It's that's really cool. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't do things like that all the time. So I try to do little mini nature immersions. I'll, you know, I just go on walks. My neighborhood is really great. There's lots of nature around here. So um, or sometimes I'll drive a little bit far away if I have more time and, and go on a hike deeper into the mountains or go out to the ocean. 
nature's the, pretty much the number one way that I recharge. Um, also meditation, like we talked about. Um, Do you have like a meditation uh, space or can you pretty much meditate anywhere? I can meditate anywhere. Last night I meditated outside of a dance party. <laughs> that's amazing it was like out on the street there was a chair outside it's like I need to meditate right now <laughs> I think that's really cool too because I feel like I hear a lot of people talk about they're like oh I go to this spot and then this is where I meditate but I feel like that's almost going against what meditation is all about isn't that about being mindful in any environment mm-hmm. yeah but I do, I have an office in my house, so I'll meditate in there. That's where I do, like, I'll do yoga or meditate. So, yeah, yoga or other kind of embodiment practices, dancing, um, qigong, those types of things are really important for me. And journaling. Yes, writing. Yeah, writing and journaling, just getting in touch with my own feelings. Uh, a lot of what this book was was like sometimes I didn't even know what I was feeling and I would sit down and I would write and then at the end of it I'd be like oh that's what I'm feeling (laughs) so for me writing has always been a way I I have probably I've filled probably at least a hundred journals wow over over my life maybe so was this book was this book like a journal was it really like something that you wrote over that period of time or was it um something that you kind of like pieced together how how did how did the book come to fruition most of it was written in the moment that it was happening some of it I did go back and write entries to kind of fill in the gaps right so that it made sense as a narrative um yeah, but but as I was writing it, it, it wasn't necessarily, like, just a journal. Like, I knew that I was writing something. Gotcha. Like, I wanted to uh, – probably, like, halfway through, I realized, like, I'm, I think I'm going to publish this. But also, like, I didn't try to aug- – augmented at all after that I just kept having my feelings but I I put care into how I was writing it and you know uh, after so many years of writing and I studied writing in in school for a little bit in college and so I've had a lot of practice in in craft and stuff so it's like a very artistic intentional journaling I would say I mean you would never know that you went back and filled in gaps it feels like a like it was written in the moment. Are cool. you? Are I'm you? Glad I came across that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I, honestly I really enjoyed the book a lot, and I, I could relate. So I, it was, it's really. I'm actually due in, due in three weeks with my third, and so right. yeah. So I'm. Uh, it's, it's a good reminder that I'm, even though you're it's my third I'm still but part like part of me is going to I'm going to be rebirthed as a new mom for the third time (laughs) but it's going to be a whole nother experience and um so I yeah I just I think it's great I think all moms should definitely take the time to read it what do 
what do you have in place for your postpartum support? <laughs> um, that's actually a really good question. I just sat down with my midwife to talk about all this. Um, I have family coming to stay with me because my family does live up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And I've started um, connecting with different groups already and like mom groups. Um, I, since I struggled so much with breastfeeding, I am already putting like, I want to breast, I'm going to try and breastfeed again (laughs) for the third Mm -hmm. time, hopefully third time's a charm. Um, and so I'm putting in place support groups for that and making sure I have a lactation consultant. Is, Is that what you're asking? Like that kind of support? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I had my little bout with, um, postpartum depression as well and so I'm I'm a little more aware of it the third time around Uh Um, and so I do also have a therapist which I think even when you don't have I don't even like to use the word issues or problems I think I think mental health is important no matter what yeah so I think everybody should have a therapist agreed (laughs) I totally agree with that (laughs) just like yeah like someone that's not related to you or like a friend that you can talk to and is gonna like give you real advice but also acknowledge like where you're at you know it's like you need to have that um so I I do feel I I do feel more prepared the I mean as prepared as you can be to have a baby um (laughs) (laughs) but I am a little nervous about the postpartum part because I do struggle I think that's probably why I connected so much with your book Mm. it does feel real (sighs) yeah (laughs) I'm more worried about finding time for myself because I I already struggle with that now with two kids right um that's part of the reason also why I started this podcast because it's like I love listening to people to other moms stories and I feel less shame (laughs) and less guilt and more connectedness with moms and women Um, and it also kind of gives me a different identity other than just being a mom because I'm a stay-at-home mom and so Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you just get lost in like who am I really (laughs) yeah because I'm not just a mom no you're not um, but yeah, so all that anxiety and stuff is starting to surface a little bit as it gets closer, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to hear that you're that you have family coming to help. I feel like, you know, part of what I want to to do to use this book for is like a platform for really advocating for postpartum support and care. And I say in, I think it's the first chapter, like I wish that I knew that I needed that much help Mm -hmm. or that I needed that much healing for my own self after giving birth. I, I just didn't know. And so I'm so happy that there's this whole, postpartum doula movement that's happening right now there's a lot more awareness around that um and more 
more doulas that are trained and getting trained on how to really take care of the women after they give birth, which hasn't really been part of our cultural narrative. It's part of other cultures, Mm -hmm. um, but the Western American culture hasn't really been a thing no I actually am a trained postpartum doula I went oh, through wonderful I went through the training and um felt the same thing as you said with my experience with how alone and lost I felt after having a, my first daughter um I felt like I needed to find a way to help women mm-hmm. postpartum but then I got pregnant again so I haven't had a chance to actually practice that yet um, just with yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to just practice it with myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. We actually talked about it in, in the training how before, I think it was World War One when all the men went to war, um, women in the neighborhood and the communities, they took care of each other. And they, when, when, women would have babies, they would go over and they would make meals and they would clean for them and they would, they would um, help them with all that. And then once the men came back from the war and then women started the, the feminist movement, we all wanted to like work and all that and be independent, which is obviously amazing and awesome. Um, we also sort of disconnected from that, that woman tribe of helping each other Mm. um yeah it's actually really interesting and so um that's when we stopped getting as good of care after having babies never thought of it in the historical context it's interesting huh I was it really was like wow we need to come go back to that it takes a village because it does Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely does so if you had one tip I mean you you kind of covered a lot of the tips but one tip for women postpartum what would it be like your number one uh have a therapist Mm -hmm. yeah number one and start seeing them before you have your baby mm-hmm. if you can and just establish a relationship with the therapist and ideally someone that is trained in trauma resolution mm-hmm. because you never know how your birth is going to go and um, you might have to to unwind some of that stuff. But yeah, for sure. I love that. A hundred percent a fan of therapy. I think it's a really responsible and mature thing to have a therapist. And even if you don't have postpartum depression, you're going to go through shit. Yes. (laughs) It's like, it's not, it's unavoidable. You're going (laughs) to have stuff that's hard to deal with. And, you know. Yeah, not not everyone understands. Family and friends are all in love with the baby. 
and yep. it's hard to be real with people in your life because there there is shame and like fear of judgment and stuff so just have a therapist and stick with them and work through your stuff and feel your feelings beautiful (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me I really really appreciate it yeah it was great talking with you and again if any whoever's listening make sure you guys go pick up a book postpartum a story of unraveling and becoming it's it's honestly beautifully written and a very vulnerable and raw story that I fully connected with and loved. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Amazon, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, thank you. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, want to share your story, or know a mother's story that needs to be shared, please message me directly.